Welcome to the Bakesh Podcast. My name is Don and... I'm Scott. And we are uh, exploring the Bible, going through the Old Testament right now, kind of book by book. If you are a longtime listener, you know that we finished up Deuteronomy several podcasts ago and we're going through Hosea. So if you haven't, uh, you know, been with us long and you're like, man, this Hosea (laughs) stuff is cool. We have... 50-something, maybe 60 podcasts on Deuteronomy <laughs> uh, that you can go back and listen to. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So. And uh, and Deuteronomy, I thought, did, did a good job of kind of setting us up for for really a lot of the things that are going to go on in the, um, in, in the Minor Prophets. Um, we actually see where, you know, Moses um, kind of predicted all of it in a way. <laughs> Um, he prophetically uh so i guess predicted is wrong yeah pro- yeah i don't know the word prophetically stated <laughs> god inspired him to basically sing a song yeah. at a very old age that said you know here's what you could have but you're gonna mess it up anyway and yeah here's a don't tap the mic like that i'm sorry oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah moses was an optimist uh or not at not all. Not at all. <laughs> <A> realist. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we are now on to uh, Hosea. He is, or was, uh, what we consider a minor prophet. And basically, minor prophet just states uh, that he had a shorter book. Yeah. Uh, maybe a shorter ministry in some cases, or, uh, I mean, we don't know what his uh, life was like outside of what was in Hosea. And w- there's a lot of gaps as to... Uh, who he was, what his lineage was, uh, all that kind of stuff, which we discussed in the first couple of podcasts. Uh, one of the things that we do know is that right out of the gate, he was ordered to by God to marry a woman who would uh, commit adultery, uh, apparently many times on him. Uh, and he would be fathering two children that were not his own. And God would use that as a demonstration of what his people were doing to him. So, the people of Israel that Hosea is writing to or speaking to were, you know, basically adulterers to God by leaving him and worshiping other gods and not trusting the one true God to provide for him and so on and so forth. So uh, I think out of all the prophets, he would be the one that I would want to be less. Oh, man, Jeremiah's got like a pained existence. Uh, that's true. And you have to be a, I mean, you have to be a special breed to be Ezekiel. That's also very <laughs> true. I can tell the poop jokes, but when uh, it becomes real, that's a different story. Right. Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, it is what you use for fuel to make your food, if you're Ezekiel. Right. I like propane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I got a, I got a, a gas grill. Right. In my garage, and I'm cool with that. <laughs> right. uh, or electric range. Once again, my house. gas being propane. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we did uh, to kind of, you're much better at the recap, but I'm going to take a swing at it. Okay. Um, in the last podcast, we talked about uh, God talking to Israel and saying, you're like this. And um, I'm going to uh, basically strip out all of the blessings that I have given you. And you're going to uh, see what it's like to have life without me. And, and stripping involves more than just everything, but 
close as well. Yeah, it's it, he's going to take Israel. He basically says out to the desert. He's going to like strip them of their belongings and everything, and then um, uh, basically show them who who is God at that point. And then we are now coming into a point where we are going to see him promise a restoration to Israel. Uh, one of the breakdowns that we've got to really keep in mind, and for some reason my commentary makes a huge point of this, is to remember that uh, the first chapter of Hosea is telling Hosea to go marry a woman of ill repute. The second chapter is God talking to Hosea about Israel, not about Hosea's wife. And then we will kind of go back and forth in and out of God talking to Israel and then God and Hosea discussing Hosea's wife. And we'll try and let you know when they go back and forth between the two, uh, because some people uh, wrongly think that Hosea is allowed to uh, do some things that would not be permissible to his wife, such as like embarrass her and by, uh, you know, stripping her naked and throwing her out to the desert kind of thing. Right. And that's not, not the point at all. Encouraged on what to do to your wife if she ever right. cheats on you. Yeah. This podcast is not marital advice <laughs> <laughs> uh, in any way, shape or form. Uh, and this is God using object lessons mm-hmm. uh, for lack of a better way. And, uh, I think in some aspects helping draw us into what it feels like and what it's like. So if you, if you're not married right now or, you know, but you're, you're close to marrying age or you are married, uh, being like, man, in Hosea's boots, this would be a hard thing. Like Mm -hmm. to have a wife who, you know, basically is impregnated by other men and to father their children, but then to bring her back and restore her into, wifedom and and if you are female i have no clue how to tell you to look at this the same way that's true you know it's the same idea you know yeah Um, or if you you know we assume that everybody in this podcast all of our listeners are innocent Mm -hmm. um maybe you're somebody who has been the adulterer in the relationship and you're having a hard time coming to grips with what it means for restoration and you can't believe that it's even a possibility you know, kind of going through here might help you, you know, see guess, what that means and to, to seek forgiveness and so on and so forth. And, and I guess we all have a whore within us. Like, <laughs> uh, and now the podcast is PG, parents. <laughs> Wait, no, it's in the Bible. I know. ESV version. I, I honestly, um, I, but I can't keep making disclaimers. This is Hosea. This is a, you know. It is what it is, right. If you're listening with kids in the car, we might say words like that because that's what the scriptures read so right. just pg it people mm-hmm. you know but but it's funny the way you said it <laughs> <laughs> but the reality of it is is we there's a little <laughs> um in our reality though there's many times that we look to other gods before our god being yahweh um and so many times we we in a sense play the role that gomer plays um when it comes to turning away from God and, and searching out other gods, um, thinking that our God's not powerful enough or seeking what only our God can, can offer. And, and so I, I think we all really can probably see it from both perspectives. However, when we're looking at our relationship with God, God would never play that role. That's kind of the Gomer's, the role that we kind of play over and over and over and over and over. So and we, over we haven't really over. discussed it yet. 
it, I don't think at all. But did you ever, uh, as a kid, watch Nick at Night, Gomer Pyle? You know, yes. Well, golly, sorry. And it drives me nuts because every time <laughs> I say Gomer, like that's what's going on in my mind. It doesn't come out of my mouth, but I'm like Gomer Pyle. I was like, nope. That's <laughs> usual. Yeah. I I was like, I kind of like put his wife's name in the back of my head and hadn't thought about it, but I was uh-huh. studying ahead and. Uh, the the commentator I was reading like brought up the name Gomer again, and in my head I just keep being like, "Well, golly, Sarge!" Like, you know, it's like I can't shake it. Now he might be old enough to watch the real ones. I'm not old enough to no. watch the real ones. I'm younger than you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was. Uh, I saw. I used to watch Gomer Pyle USMC on Nick at Night uh, and Get Smart as a kid. Those are okay. My, yeah. My uh, summer night, late night TV shows. See, we never had cable, so like we always saw it like when we were on vacation. I'm not going to say we paid for cable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also not going to say we always had it either. <laughs> Back in our day, if they left the cable line run to your house and you had one of those little A, B switch boxes, you could still get cable even if you weren't paying for it. Do you realize you just said, back in my day? Back in my day. Well, golly, Sarge, we used to have cable. But anyway. Uh, before streaming existed. Yeah, and before they had like computerized like shutoff switches. Mm-hmm. They, you had the line to your house, and if they didn't come and take it down, you had cable until they came yep. and got rid of it. Mm-hmm. And we had uh, at least one TV in our house that seemed to have cable a lot. And I do rem- Okay, we'll get to the podcast in a second here. We'll go back to Gomer. Um I do remember one storm that actually had take da- taken down the cable line, mm-hmm. like the tree fell in the backyard. So, you know, the cable people came out and they're like, oh, looks like it took out the line of your cable. And they put a new one on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> you should check your charts. We're not on the bill. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, my parents were cable thieves. Anyway. Um, just, just kidding, FCC. Yeah, a little bit late. So uh, we'll edit that. Probably or not, because yeah. I'm not a good podcast editor. Yeah. Uh-huh. So let's uh, let's jump right in. We're gonna so, uh, get back to chapter two. We'll start at fifteen. And so so last week's or last episode, we um, again we, we here's all the things that are God's gonna do to strip us naked, um, as being Israel. Um, I actually, just start with fourteen, despite the fact I think we talked about fourteen a we little bit. Did not talk about fourteen. I think we ended saying that we were going to start with fourteen because that's when it starts right. to get better. I'll try and listen to that episode again. Okay. And, um, maybe edit that. Okay. <laughs> uh, at least um, the name of it because I'm stupid. So, <clears throat> therefore, am I going to the end? Uh, yeah, we'll do fourteen through the end of okay. the chapter. So, uh, chapter two, verse fourteen. Therefore, behold, I will allure her. By the way, sorry, we're going ESV version this week. Oh, um, okay. Just like, due to um, the NIV has some um, words and translations that aren't as harsh as are meant to be with with some of the things that are going on here. So for real, verse 14. All right. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her vineyards and make the valley of Achor a door of hope. And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. And in that day, declares the Lord, you will c- call me my husband, and no longer will you call me my Baal. Um, for I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth, and they shall be remembered by name no more. And I will make for them a covenant on that day with the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the creeping things of the ground. 
And I will abolish the bow and the sword and war from the land, and I will make you lie down in safety. And I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. And in that day I will answer, declares the Lord. I will answer the heavens, and they shall answer the earth. And the earth shall answer the grain, the wine, and the oil, and they shall answer Jezreel. And I will sow her for myself in the land, and I will have mercy no mercy I will have mercy on no mercy, and I will say to not my people, You are my people, and he shall say, You are my God. Excellent. Thank All you. right. I'm uh I'm listening in here and I'm considering investing in a couple of cheapo <coughs> pop shields. Oh uh, for the mics. Oh okay. So cool. pop shields. Now we're gonna look yeah. really good. It'll get rid of the hard P's that come through. Oh, I've okay. got, yeah, they don't want to hear about it. So Engineered anyway. wise, I got these boosted pretty well, and it sounds great, but all right, it'll make us sound better. So in the future, no more popping peepees. All right, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're we're now walking into a uh, part about restoration. We're we're seeing after. Uh, you know, the punishment or the discipline uh, we're now bringing back uh, Israel into the fold and we're going to start the Reconciliation Acts here. And it kind of starts with 14 and this is kind of, um, I think this You're is... You're right. I don't think we talked about that at all. Yeah, no, I think because I thought, I thought we said, well, we'll just kind of start with verse 14 this week because we, we make that shift from... Here's all of the things that are gonna that I'm gonna strip you of, so that you know that it was not the bales that gave you all you had, right? But it was really Yahweh, and now um, things are gonna change. You know, I will allure her and bring her into into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. So ultimately, he utilizes the wilderness, um, and according to from what I have. Um, it literally, the Hebrews, uh, says God will speak to her heart, um, yeah, that's what I had, yeah. which is a much, uh, w- which is, I don't know. It, I think it does a really good job of, of kind of showing what, what God wants to do, um, to Israel mm-hmm. after bringing her into the wilderness. Yeah. And the wilderness here is typically when, the Israelites or the ancient cultures heard I'm taking you to the wilderness. It was like a, a a damning place. It was, it was a place where you would cast somebody out of where you were basically subjecting them to perish. Uh, And in this case, he'd say, I will bring you into the wilderness. And what the writer is pretty much insinuating here is that he will make that person uh, able to shut out all the outside noise. He's going to take them out to a place where he will speak and there'll be no distraction. Yes. Ding. Uh, I thought I'd ignore the text message, but apparently my computer was like, oh, no, I'll show you on the screen, too. <laughs> Guys, if you have a, a Mac and you know how to permanently shut off everything, Bokesh at Outlook.com. Um, it seems that no matter how much I try and shut down all the notifications, Apple's like, we did an update. We're going to show them again. Anyway. So. Uh, yeah, but yeah, the, the wilderness, this is basically like, hey, I'm going to take you on a date to a place where there will be no distractions there won't be business happening there won't be family around i'm gonna take you on a date into the woods and we're gonna talk and and that's kind of what it is i mean because in verse 15 i will give her 
I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Achor a door of hope. I mean, really, we see this kind of being we're going to go ahead and we're going to woo her back to um, back to Yahweh. We will show her that it was not Baal, but it was Yahweh that they clearly gave her every the, everything that she has. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, and then I guess when it talks about the valley of Achor, um, the Valley of Achor means the Valley of Trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, however, that Valley of Trouble will actually become the Door of Hope. Um, so I kind of asked the question, really, I was like, so is that saying that God utilizes the wilderness and trouble sometimes to really bring us back to him and remind us where it is that we do get our good gifts? And I don't know if in my, if in my own mind that was just kind of me thinking through, you know, sometimes through my difficult times, um, God utilizes that to, to remind me of really all the good things that I do have and where it is that it comes from. And I don't know if we also see that with the wilderness of Israel through Deuteronomy, um, and if this is a similar thing or if it's not quite a similar thing. Sorry. Temperatures are going crazy. My wife's asking about picking <coughs> kids up from dance classes and stuff like that. But back to the podcast. Oh, okay. Sorry. I mean... So the question uh, was... <laughs> no, um, I think I, oh. looking at... Um, dude, I can multitask. Uh, uh, looking at that, I, I think I, I, you could see it that way as like using the, you know, God uses all things for the good of those who love him, whether it's your past rebellious nature and he's showing you the, the contrast between when you were a rebel and when you're uh, restored. Mm-hmm. Um, I put a note in here that I think that it's definitely a return to restoration. So... Uh, Adam eats fruits, nature is fractured, and we have a valley of Acor, which is, you know, basically it was a place of uh, continuous rebellion and upheaval and stuff like that, which is why it was called like the Valley of Trouble or Troublemaker. Uh, so we have Troublemaker Valley down there where we have tons of things going on, but God did not design that valley to be a place where rebellion happened. He designed that valley to be a place that once again, just showed how great he was. Mm-hmm. It's that fracture from the fall from Adam biting the fruit that has made that a rebellious place, a place where people are turning away from him and going to the bales and so on and so forth. Uh, and I think that he's also saying that this is, I'm going to restore the original meaning of that place. I'm going to restore nature, just like I'm going to restore you. So I think it can go it can go back and forth both ways in that passage. So and I guess he even kind of gives an example and there sh- she shall answer as in the days of her youth as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. Um so it's kind of like I guess in the be- the first part God kind of wanting to have that relationship and this is kind of the time where i guess israel now is i guess he's kind of retrying to woo israel back to himself and this is kind of the time where israel now responds to to that wooing yeah um but in a way um yeah i think that's fine uh, to see that that there is but i think it's the response to the wooing but i think we see the the response more when we get down a couple verses, we see like how that, how that response actually works out. That's mm-hmm. the heaviest cat. I am ADD like a boss today. <laughs> yeah, you. What the fuck, cat? His cat was coming down the steps, guys. It's a kitten, but it sounded like a person. And I think can't weigh more than three pounds. Nope, not. 
that cat now has weight management issues, <laughs> has a poor self-esteem. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think that that's definitely, um, yeah, it, it's almost like I'm going to harken back to the days of when uh, we were dating is, is kind of how you could almost look at that. The time mm-hmm. when I courted you out of Egypt, I rescued you, you looked to me and you thanked me and you thought how wonderful I was. And we, we looted Egypt and we left and went out to the desert. And it wasn't until the Red Sea when things started to go south. Um, but, but yeah, we're definitely seeing that back to that initial awe and that wonder mm-hmm. and that you know graciousness of that time um, being restored in this little section here. And that's kind of an Old Testament theme anyways, continuing to go back to that land of Egypt where you know, before he even gave the Ten Commandments, before he even said, obey my commands, he first said, um, I mean, I mean, I think it's even an introduction in the in Exodus 20 where he's like, let's see if I can quickly find it. He says, and God spoke all these words. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He reminds mm-hmm. he reminds um, Israel his people, what he had done. I brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And then if you love me, you will obey my commands. And, and we, we get this Exodus picture and, and we get the, the same picture actually in the new Testament when Jesus is like, or when um, Jesus is like, well, you know, I, I, I if you obey my commands, that, that's kind of how you show that you love me. And then we see this, this theme of, of God first um, shows us his love, shows us, um, kind of woos us, kind of shows us how good he is. Um, and then that's when he's like, well, your part of the covenant is to obey my commands. And we kind of see, I guess, that maybe that same Egypt pulling you out of, is you know, Egypt type picture again of. I think, it, yeah, I think that's a great picture because you are seeing they are still within that. Well, uh, I shouldn't say that. I'd say you could say they're still working towards that Mosaic covenant, but you'd also be crossing into that Davidic covenant. Mm-hmm. So if you're covenantal, I could be wrong on that, but you could definitely see like wanting to go back to a time of a Mosaic covenant. Yeah. Um, when things were fresh and great with that promise of, you know, living with God forever. But I think later in the book, we'll hit a little bit more into that Davidic line. Unless I'm thinking of Isaiah, which has a lot. <laughs> so many prophets. So, um, so stay tuned to see which prophet will lead us to the next covenant. Right. <laughs> um, but no, I, I guess I, I'm just kind of, as you're talking, I'm just kind of thinking through it. Cause, and, and I don't know if there's any connection at all. But, um, I mean, he, they go back to when I led you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And, and once again, it's in, in there, it's, uh, you'll answer me in the day. And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt, um, which once again was a a slavery, a bondage in Egypt. Um, And I don't know if if that's what they're almost saying with with the bondage of Baal, you know, whether there's there's a slavery um, picture going on here as well. But there is a you can go with the slavery route, definitely. But there's definitely like a destitute Remember, I said like the water. So we uh, now that I'm thinking about it, you definitely see the redeeming of a lot of stuff, because in the prior chapter, he's like, I'm going to take you out and I'm going to, you know, take you out to the land and I'm going to basically strip the land bare and it's going to become destitute. But in the next round of verses, he's like, I'm going to take you out to the wilderness, which we would technically look at as a barren and destitute land. But he's taking uh, her out there to restore her. So. Baal 
in a sense is like Egypt. It's stripping them of all their dignity, of all their worth, um, of them as a people or individual persons. Because when you put somebody in slavery, you're taking away their humanity and saying you're nothing but a good or service to me. You're not worth anything else. And the same thing, and this is going to be kind of a harsh reality, is when you are in an adulterous relationship, you are nothing but a object. Your your humanity gets stripped because it's purely lust. There's no love behind it. Uh, so you're kind of in that same situation as you were when you were a slave. You're a slave to those passions. Uh, I think even Paul will go on to say that in probably Ephesians, mm-hmm. um, that we see kind of a restoration from that barrenness, that slavery, that destitute. You're, you're being stripped of your humanity and being given your imago day. You're being put back into that image of God where you're being, being given life. Cause here he's even saying like, um, well, when we get well, down a little bit, yeah, but actually, I will give her her vineyards. I'm going to replenish what was stripped from you. Actually, there really is that slavery, that oh, thing. Cause all right. So I'm going to reread 16 through 18. And in that day declares the Lord, you will be, you will call me my husband and no longer will you call me my bail for I will remove the names of the bales from her mouth and she shall be remembered by, by name and no, and they shall be remembered by name no more. And I will make for them a covenant on that day with the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens and the creeping things of the ground. And I will abolish the bow and sword and war from the land. And I will make you lie down in safety. So right. there it says, at least the, the notes that I have. Um, so verse 16 implies that Yahweh had been worshipped as Baal, um, as, as Baal God. So like uh, there had been that intermixing of there. But with that... Um, it said, well, you that, will, and by the way, that's kind of part of the the golden calf story from mm-hmm. Exodus, is that they took a God that they did not know the form of Yahweh, and they tried to make a form for him. And what they're trying to do is classify Yahweh into the same pantheon as the Baals at mm-hmm. that point. So yeah, that's what he's saying. You'll no longer call me my Baal. You'll no longer call me some simple little minute god you'll understand who i am yeah it's it wasn't like a pleasant nickname like you will no longer call me my boo you know it wasn't right. like that at all so so they worship baal as they should have been worshiping god in in a way that, mm-hmm. but but here here's that little here's that kind of little slavery piece so you will call me my he- husband um which reflects a more intimate love and relationship um but according to the commentary that i was using um the when it says you will no longer call call me my bail um bail actually means my master or my owner um so ultimately they're they're kind of you you are no longer calling bail your master or your owner which mm-hmm. which does depict a a slavery type of picture oh, yeah um and then kind of now you will get away from that and get into more intimate relationship um, one that you were not with when you were worshiping Baal, but one that you do have when you worship Yahweh or or God. Um, so there is kind of that. I, I mean, when I didn't even catch that until he started talking and looking through it, I was like, oh, so there really is kind of that slavery mm-hmm. Egypt type of connection there that, that does kind of fit. Well, then we, if you, what's interesting is when you kept going. So in 17, for I'll remove the name of the Baals from her mouth. Um, that's once again, removing the name of those synchronistic 
uh, gods, that little, like I said before, that lesser pantheon mm-hmm. um, from their mouth and they shall be remembered no more. And then we get back into what happens when that restoration comes into full effect. So when that slavery and that bondage is broken, I'll make them a, I'll make a covenant with the beasts of the fields, birds of the heaven, creeping things of the ground. Um, I will abolish the bow and the sword and war from the land, and I will make you lie down in safety. So what we see once again is that proper restoration of what happens when you break free from uh, worshiping other gods. We see the, you know, the beasts of the fields, restoration of nature is what we're seeing here. We'll see peace reigning as opposed to war constantly reigning, which is something that they're very familiar with right now. Oh, yeah. You have the Syrians coming in. You have, you know, everybody waging war with them. They're constantly in uh, battle with somebody. They actually had the season for war that would happen every year. You would go out with your people just to go out and fight other tribes and other nations. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's saying that, well, when you... When you're with me, I'll, I'll peace will reign as opposed to this war. And then, you'll know, you know, I'll make you lie down in safety. I'm going to give you, I'm going to get rid of your threats of danger and you're going to sleep peacefully. So once you break the bondage of slavery, once I bring you out and you're my people again, I'm going to make all that was broken fixed. I'm going to fix all the fracture. Well, then he takes the whole my husband or the, 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 the my husband thing into, well, he takes it even further. In verse 19 and 20, he says, and I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. And and that's actually a very intimate picture of, of the relationship that God wants to restore between both him and his people. Mm-hmm. Um, Yahweh will basically enter this formal betrothal with Israel, um, a betrothal during the time was was kind of like an engagement. It was a very serious matter. It was as if you were being married. Um, it was usually um, uh, usually with that uh, the groom would basically pay a um, a bride price to the father of the future bride. Um, the acceptance of the gift signified that he had no further objections to the marriage. Um, it was basically a binding commitment. Um, and basically Yahweh in this picture will be betrothed to Israel forever in kind of a lifelong faithful um, marriage type of covenant. Um, now the bride price here, kind of what it looks like in, I guess, at the end of 19 and 20, um, since there, there is no father figure in here, the bride price is being paid directly to Israel himself, herself. Um, the, now I'm not even going to attempt, no, I'll go ahead and attempt to like <laughs> tear the Hebrew to pieces. Um, but one of it is righteousness. Oh no, you won't attempt. You'll okay. just tear it to pieces. <laughs> yes. So righteousness, um, with an S E D E Q. Um, yeah, that wasn't even close. What to was me. it again? Yeah, I don't know. S E D S E D E Q. You, you studied more Hebrew than I did. I don't know. I'm trying, I'd okay. have to see the, the symbols. To see what the um, enunciation of the. Do you have that? So we got that right there. That doesn't help. I okay. need to see how the vowels are, the, oh. the dots and tittles on it, how yeah. they, what vowel sounds they would make. So okay. it could be like the sedek. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Or sadek, but it could it, it could it could be the sedek. It could depend on the little dots on the edge of the. Okay. So we won't even a- attempt, yeah. or I won't at least. So righteousness, um, and the Hebrew word that they used for this. I'm about um, to drop my Spanish studies and just go Old Testament Hebrew. You, you know, does um, what was it? Does the little 
L. What, what is it? Uh, um, Duolingo. No, Duolingo it does. Hat? It does modern Hebrew, but it doesn't do biblical. Ah, and bummer. I talked to a guy who knows Hebrew, and I was, man, I got weird ears. Um, I talked to him and I said, hey, if I did that, would it have any uh, benefit? And he's like, no. Okay. He's he's like very little, if any at all. Okay, so no point in it. Yeah. All right. So not anyway, <laughs> um, Duolingo does not have Old Testament Hebrew. But the bride price that he's talking about with the righteousness inside of verse 19 and 20 um, refers to the fulfillment of the demands of a relationship. Usually with Yahweh, it is the salvation of his people, um, which is the part that he would continue to fulfill. Um, Justice was part of it, um, basically being their legal rights. Covenant and steadfast love, that's the hesed. You might have heard that before, I think. That's a word you pronounce right. Preachers <laughs> like to use that one a lot. Um, and it's kind of a steadfast love. It's a devotion and a relationship type of love. Um, it's like the, the covenant um, steadfast love that, that, that you would hear about with the Old Testament covenant and promises of God. Um, so that would have been part of the bride price that he would be um, using um, uh, with luring Israel back to this this uh, marital relationship. Um, mercy um, focused on sympathy and help. And then faithfulness comes from the same word as the word that we use for amen, um, which is an unanswer, an unswerving day-by-day, step-by-step obedience, devotion, and affirmation of one's ties to another. And so these were a part of the bride price um, that was given directly to Israel because there was no father figure in this, mm-hmm. at least in this picture. Um, and, and most of what I got from that comes from um, the commentary I'm using with, with Liz or Elizabeth and um, what I've mentioned in past podcasts. And, and I'll try and remember to bring that back up at the end. Um, but one of the biggest things is where it ends in verse 20. And I will betroth you to me in faithfulness and you shall know the Lord. Um, this no um, is kind of a, a very intimate no um, when it comes to a relationship between um, or in a marriage relationship. The NIV uses acknowledge, which is the kind of a bad translation because That's a it's horrible translation because it's not quite as strong as it Ooh. it is. It's meant to be with the picture that's trying to be portrayed here. We send your praises, NIV. Why do you stab? <laughs> well, at least last week. Yeah, um, yeah. This this week it's back to USV. <laughs> right. So so basically, I mean, what's going on here is is actually a very beautiful picture of God wooing his bride being Israel, his people back to himself and um, the relationship that was destroyed because of whoredom being restored um, to a good covenant marital relationship. And to further extrapolate what you're saying, uh, verse 20 ends with the, I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. You'll know that I'm the Lord. Uh, That is, saying i'm like you're saying this is the bride price that he's paying and what it's also signifying is that that is because israel will have nothing without god the only form of payment that israel will have is the same thing that's being modeled so israel will be characterized by what it will be using as its payment it will be righteousness justice steadfast love and mercy so god is going to come into the marriage and Give by modeling what is expected because the only thing Israel will be able to pay back out is righteousness, justice, steadfast love, and mercy. Uh, 
in a practical sense, if you are married, it's the same way. You are to model and to pour into the marriage what will inevitably uh, be what you expect to get out of the marriage. So when God is saying, hey, I'm going to pay in this bride price, what you're expecting to come out of the marriage is basically all that has been paid in because there's nothing else is what is happening here. So for us, if our spouses, our wives, if you're, uh, you know, married, your spouse, uh, what you pour into the marriage should be what you expect to get back out of the marriage. So if you're pouring in love and justice and mercy and grace, expect to get that out. But if your, you know, significant other comes in the house and uh, you're rude and bickering and domineering and causing, you know, the opposite of these things, that's what you can expect out of your marriage. So if you're going to be nasty and rude and mean, that's what you're going to get back out of the marriage. Mm -hmm. And God is demonstrating as the ultimate husband in this scenario, what he's expecting his people to do and how he's expecting them to act. And so that's what's going to flow out of that relationship. And what's going to, as a practical, we should do the same. Mm-hmm. And in 21 through 23, we see how the Lord responds to this relationship when he says, And in that day I will answer, declares the Lord, I will answer the heavens, and they shall answer the earth, and the earth shall answer the grain, the wine, and the oil, and they shall answer Jezreel, and I will sow her for myself in the land, and I will have mercy on no mercy. And I will say to not my people, you are my people. And he shall say, you are my God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we see God responding um, by giving back um, what God had kind of just taken away. Am, am I kind of correct in that? Yeah, it's um, almost as if God is saying here, the natural reaction to this re- this reconciliation is I will restore things. Um, the earth shall answer the grain, the wine, and the oil is the, the tangible effects of what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. This really is, uh, um, it, it's almost like a explosion of kindness and grace that comes out of this reconciliation. Uh, you could look into the uh, you know, the talking of I will have mercy on no mercy and I will say, not my people, you are my people, is this is God saying that even those who are not mine, even those who are not Israel will feel my mercy and will be called into me. So you could almost see a messianic promise outflow from here, uh, which would be, you know, not one of the first, but definitely one of the earlier messianic promises here of restoration because i mean some of that though isn't that some language that we saw at the end of deuteronomy though oh you're seeing the i can't think what they're called you see like the foreigners right the people who are not israelites potentially coming and being welcomed into the fold in this case you're seeing uh bastardized children being welcomed back you're seeing sinners you're seeing you know gentiles welcomed potentially into Mm -hmm. God's kingdom, because that is a natural reaction to uh, him being reconciled to his people. Right. Okay. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I feel like I don't have the words, and I didn't take as good a notes as I should mm-hmm. have. So I and, apologize. And, and we kind of see that idea of fertility being brought back as well, where yes. um, Baal is, is seen as that, that god of fertility. And 
they were, you know, they were doing all these whorish, I guess, literally um, prostitute cult worship type things mm -hmm. um, as a act of worship towards the god Baal, who they thought was providing what they needed. And really, God strips that away to show them that it wasn't Baal, but it was him. And this is kind of his way of saying, well, actually, it was me. And kind of once again, providing that that fertility that w was removed and mm -hmm. that Baal can't offer. But Yahweh, their true husband, can. Yeah, he's demonstrating that he can do what Baal can't. Right. Absolutely. And, and I just love that God does this over and over again. Mm -hmm. it, it's kind of like baby look what i can do that that guy can't right he's a poser <laughs> like he drives like a broke down honda without a muffler would you like to step into my bmw bail can't do that <laughs> you know kind of right. like he's got why, why don't you come back with me into the biggest house and i will give you the best food and i will clothe you in the best clothes all bail can do is take you to like you know kmart mm -hmm. <laughs> if you're lucky he can't even do that right you know it's just, yeah, it's kind of a, I just love that it, God's constantly like kicking down the door and being like, yo, come with me. This guy can't do nothing for yeah. you. Mm -hmm. So, um, anything yeah. else on two? No, I think that there's a lot on two there. Um, so hopefully we were, you know, semi clear. All right. Yeah. Yes. And if not, then sorry. Sucks to be you. No, I'm so, just kidding. Just kidding. Kidding. Um, do we have time for three? Yeah, we got a, we got time. Okay, three is not very long. It's pretty short. Right. Okay, so I'll go I ahead. Step it back. So if I'm I'm sorry, I keep standing and probably distracting you. Um, I'll just read um, chapter three, um, all of it, um, and that sounds like a lot until I say that there's only five verses. <laughs> um, and the Lord said to me, "Go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress." even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lectic of barley. And I said to her, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man. So will I also be to you. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. All right. So kind of jumping off right here, we are definitely seeing uh, the uh, kind of a return focus for a minute to Hosea and his wife. So like I said before, the prior chapter was primarily about Israel. Um, not that this can't mirror, they can't go along with each other, but we do want to kind of keep those separate uh, to a point so we understand who's being talked to right. about what. Uh, this is one of the places where the NIV also, apparently according to the commentator that I was reading, dropped the ball. Okay. The go love a woman is actually what's in there. And I think the NIV said something like go and like reclaim your wife or something like that. Mm -hmm. I can't. You got it right there. So the NIV says. That first. The Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again. Yeah, that's so not in that. Uh, now we can draw the conclusion that he's saying 
go out and retrieve Gomer uh, through context clues, but the NIV does take a lot of liberties there to put that as the main thrust there when that's not what it says at all. Right. Uh, I'm not going to say that it matters greatly, but it kind of matters. Okay. I'm mad. Yeah, well, uh, you know. I mean, again, we don't necessarily want to read into Scripture. The, the idea is right. to to get as close as to what it's really trying to say um, because reading in the scripture can be dangerous and can lead to oopsing. Yes. <laughs> yes. It can lead to bad uh, hermeneutic, which means bad translate or mm-hmm. interpretation, uh, so on and so forth. So that was just one of those little hiccups there. Uh, other than that, when you get down to the verse a little bit, um, I thought it was kind of neat that there's such a detail put in there <laughs> um though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins mm-hmm. um that i i couldn't find a whole lot of <coughs> to what these like raisin cakes were mm-hmm. um it sounded like it was a temple snack <laughs> okay for lack of a better term um but this is just reinforcing that they were participating in a- like acts of syncretism meaning they were adding things on to their either worship, trying to worship Yahweh their way by also incorporating um, some of these like temple goodies into their worship. Uh, it's just to me as like kind of the little bit of the history nerd there is that they're showing such an insight into what that could look like. Right. It would be like, let's say we had our local uh, pagan temple here in town and they gave away Twinkies and they said, everybody must eat the Twinkie. Um, before they enter in the main room for worship. And then you went to the local church and there's a Twinkie bar out there and they're like, all right, before you go into the main room, you better eat your Twinkie. Mm. Has nothing to do with God. God don't want your Twinkie. Like, you know, he doesn't want you to eat that. That that has nothing to do with it, but they're forcing that on you as part of that syncretism. I thought that was kind of cool that they put that little extra information in there so you get kind of a, a insight as to what was going on here but it's just funny raisin cake it sounds like man i don't want your cookie well because <laughs> raisin cake yeah because raisin cakes was used as a good thing in song of solomon wasn't it uh it's been a few years um yeah i'd have to go back and let's see um yeah we'll, we'll go with uh i i did not look much into that but I, as i was thinking i was like i thought they mentioned raisin cakes and Song of Solomon, but I, I mean, there's don't always, remember. It's quite possible, but I guess it was part of it. I mean, you're also looking at the Davidic kingdom, which, while great, was also kind of its own screwy mess at times. That's true. You look at, I'm trying to, I don't I, think I, I can find. Quickly. Um, <laughs> Raisins in Song of Solomon, the best Google search ever. I'll let you... How about you keep walking with that? I'll see if I can find it real quick. Okay. Um, uh, the While well, he looks up the raisin part, the... Oh, yes. Uh, look for 2-5. Sustain me with raisins. Two five? Okay. It's not actually... It strengthened me with raisins or sustain me with raisins. Okay. So it wasn't necessarily raisin cakes then? Uh, sustain me with raisin cakes. In, it says in potentially, depending on the translation it looks like. I'm doing a horrible job of finding. That's all right. Don't worry. I mean, okay, so this would be the same thing as saying, like, you know, 
you know, twi- Twinkies still have their purpose. Right. They're not the the raisin cake in and of itself was not Wasn't sinful. Bad. It was how they were using it. How they it. were using it. Okay. Yeah, is what okay. I would argue. Stamy two five is what what I think it was. Okay, sustain me with raisins, ref- refresh me with apples, for I will am sick with love. All right, so I guess it's not necessarily raisin cakes. I was <laughs> thinking it was. So it was just raisins in Song of Solomon. Yeah. At, least, right. a, at least according to the ESV. Yeah, according which to is going to go word for word. And then I just lost Hosea. Way all to right. go. Way to go. <laughs> so I'll let you. So uh, going on to verse 2, it says, So I bought her for, and he gives a list of uh, his cost, which was 15 shekels of silver. If you're wondering, the cost of a slave, a female slave, was 30. So uh, basically, it's half of the weight, half of the cost of a female slave, and a and a homer and a lethek of barley. Um, we don't know why these are the costs that are listed. It could show one of a couple of things. One, it could show that Hosea had to provide out of his own money, but was rather poor, so he couldn't afford the whole price. So he had to throw in some other items with it. Um, but we don't have, unless your commentary had some other scholarship there, we no. couldn't f- find really any reason why that was a specific price that had to be paid. Um, some have surmised that it has to do with uh, having to pay both a monetary and also pay from what comes from the land. Uh, it maybe is some kind of symbolism, but there really isn't any anything that I could find that said yeah, why. I, I didn't get that either. But he did have to pay to re, uh, receive his wife back. Oh, and they don't know if it was, was he paying off some of her debts? Did somebody else say, no, she's mine now and you have to pay to get her back? Um, is it a image to show that God would go to great lengths to pay to get his people back? Hosea would also have to go to great lengths to pay to get his wife back. Like, what? how far would he be willing to go? Nobody knows. But there are some great speculative uh, scholars out there that are trying to figure out why and have, you know, said <laughs> that's why. Um, here we also have, I guess, um, we have Israel, um, or I guess right here, I guess this would be Hosea then. Yes. Um, him having to spend time with his wife or actually his wife spending time with him, um, where she is not allowed to go play, um, the role of a whore, mm-hmm. which I kind of assume that with my wife all the time. Oh, yeah, I don't think there's a time um, period. <laughs> <laughs> um, it did mention, uh, let's see, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore belong to another man. So will I also be to you. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. Um, so here's some of the imagery that I got. Um, the king or the prince, I didn't really understand. Um, I have a decent... Nor did I. Do you have something on that? Uh, basically, um, the political process and the ability to belong to the monarch was, despite the fact that God warned them against having a king, it was still a blessing by God to have a king and to be part of a nation that had a political process of some kind. And God is saying, you're not going to have that for now. You're not going to have that barrier between uh, my rule and oh. earthly rule. You're not going to have that blessing of a king to guide you at this point. It's just going to be you and I. Oh, okay. That's cool. So That's cool imagery. 
Yeah, sometimes my commentary is good. Sometimes I find it mediocre. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hard book. I don't blame the commentator. It, so. it is. It is. Yeah. Uh, and I, I know many times, like preparing for Hosea, I've found to be much more difficult than preparing yes. for Deuteronomy. And, I'm like, oh, it's a short honesty. couple of verses. Oh, boy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you shall, without, so without king or print, without sacrifice or pillar, um, so the pillar, um, here's what I have, and I'm going to read it directly mm-hmm. um, from what Elizabeth had said. Um, sacred stones um, or pillars were stones erected by shrines to symbolize the male deity, um, and they were often set beside lush trees or wooden posts, which represented the female deity. Thus, they were standard features at Canaanite Baal shrines, symbolizing the sexual fertility of the deities, and they are vigorously condemned throughout the Old Testament. Um, so during this time where Israel, or, or I guess not, well, I guess Israel is partially being dictated, because it says, um, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, but, but uh, this specific situation between Hosea and Gomer and her not being a whore, um, there is not supposed to be, or it's supposed to be without sacrifice or pillar. Mm-hmm. Um, and so ultimately, I think this is what it is referring to, um, where those fertility acts or whatever w- would occur at that place um, was not going to happen during this time that um, neither of them were to play the role of the whore. Yeah, we also have this little sentence in here, or this little clause um, way back in verse 3. It says, So will I also be to you. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man. So will I also be to you. Uh, All of this, along with these extra pieces that go through the end of the chapter, uh, appear to say that she is going to abstain from sexual behavior, and so is he. And once again, that looks like it could be a way for God to say, you're going to build your relationship on like other things first before you build it on like, you know, your intimacy, your sexual intimacy. And so there's a lot of this kind of going back and forth. This is another one of those hard back and forth because you are seeing kind of that parallel between the two. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's this, you will not play the whore, belong to another man. And I, will basically be that another man to you right now. So we're not going to have any intimacy. And then the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, um, without sacrifice or pillars. So we're seeing that there won't be uh, another person to look up for in place of God. You're not going to look to idols in place of God. You're not going to look to political powers in place of God, so on and so forth. There's all these little twists and turns that might have made more sense if we were of an ancient Near Eastern mindset, but mm-hmm. it's hard for us to kind of get our brains into. Yep. Um, and then afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. So once we get rid of all of that outside, so I, w- I would liken this to maybe if you're an alcoholic or, uh, you know, maybe you have like a uh, eating addiction, you're trying to lose weight or whatever. We, we see this like, okay, we're going to cut off everything. All right, so I'll go with the... Uh, the, the eating because it's funnier. Um, you're morbidly obese and you're trying to lose weight. So the first thing we're going to do is there's no McDonald's. There's no Dunkin' Donuts. And I'll tell you what, while you're not eating fast food and donuts, neither will I. Hmm. It's kind of the first part of that. 
All right, so we're going to strip out all of the bad influences first. And then we are going to rebuild our diet to get back into shape and to be, you know, uh, the way it's supposed to be. So we're not going to, you know, allow these outside influences to mess up that relationship that we should have properly with our food and diet. Kind of the same idea. We're going to take all this outside influence. We're going to shut it away. We're not going to even have a hint of it, even amongst each other. And then we're going to rebuild the relationship. Then we will see God. And then we will go back and have a king that like, you know, God puts into place like David was a man after his own heart, so on and so forth. So basically we're getting rid of all those hindrances then that, that has been oh, sure, separating, <laughs> separating us between God and his bride. And we're even going a little overkill. Okay. And specifically, yeah. we're talking about kings and princes. We're talking about well, well the king. Mm-hmm. We're, we're talking about those sacred cultic sexual practices, potentially even sex itself. Right. Um, it talks about the e- without ephod and idols. Well, the ephod was a priestly garment that would have divination instruments, mm-hmm. um, an idol, or, and you'd be which would be used to seek out other gods or to seek out the future while we're removing those and we're removing any idols or household objects. We're, we're really coming down to the basic you and I, God and Israel, Mm -hmm. Gomer and Hosea type of relationship in order to restore what was there. Is that kind of what you're saying then? Yeah. It's getting rid of all that peripheral stuff, whether it's positive or negative and it's going to be cleared out and we're going to go down to the, the roots, the brass tacks of what it's supposed to be like. Got it. Is what what it appears to be saying. Like I said, there's a lot of ins and outs, and if you're not in that, you're not typically one who reads in that kind of roller coaster fashion. It might be a little bit harder to get through, right? As it is with me. Okay. If I did not have good commentaries and take some time to really try and wrestle through those. It's a, it's a hard one. It is. Once again, it's it hard. Is. And that, uh, you know, we keep saying that I don't want to discourage anybody, but it, you know, it takes time to get through this stuff. It's why these books are often avoided and it's why we want to tackle these. Mm-hmm. So, and Hosea probably is one of the more difficult ones as well. Um, when we're talking about some of these minor prophets, um, but, but sometimes again, the message is, is actually really cool when you see it in perspective. Um, and when you see it as a whole, and so, um, yeah. yeah, but anyway, yeah, it's, it's hard. There's a lot of caveats in it that we've, you know, but pieces this, of it missing and, but this part ends well. Um, yeah. Cause afterward the children will return and seek the Lord, your God. Um, they will fear God, which means they will obey him, follow his commands. Um, and, um, it looks like, uh, yeah, fear the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. So, uh, at least where we're leaving off to now, the relationship looks like it is in the process of being restored. But hey, there's still 10 chapters to go. Let's Absolutely. see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we got to let you go. We were, we're, I, the music has already ended, but I will edit it so it will begin. <laughs> All right, guys, see you next time. Bye.